Okay. <sighs> no block, no rock. Season two, episode two. It happened again. Nebraska, week zero at Illinois. Thirty to twenty-two loss. Um, guys, same old stuff. I was watching the game at a local bar. I'm making notes in my phone, and there was a certain time in the game where I said, "You know what? Why am I making notes?" I mean, this is all stuff I don't I don't need to look at. I don't need to read. Let's talk about this thirty to twenty-two loss. Why did it happen? Um, maybe we start with just to kind of narrow it down a little bit. Let's start with the offense. Adrian Martinez. Oh boy. And uh, in my opinion, he is our best chance to win games. When you compare everyone else that's on the depth chart, um, he's our best chance. What does that say? I mean, you got a four-year starter at the press conference saying, we, do, we just have to get better. And then I just, I hear these things and I go, you're a three-year captain. You're the only three-year captain quarterback, right? At what point is it just on you to just say, I screwed up? Like, not, we, we, we have to get it fixed. I'm sick. I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the talk of we have to get it fixed. It's every single week. Not not even exaggerating. You're not wrong. And I don't want to put the entire blame of this game on Adrian Martinez. No, but, yeah, but we'll, and, we'll, and we'll cover offense, we'll but. stick with the offense. And I don't want to put the blame on Adrian Martinez though. I think the problem with the offense starts with the head coach. The head coach is calling the plays. We thought Lubick was supposed to take play calling duties. Nope. That didn't happen. Mm -mm. So the fact that Scott Frost is calling the plays and then has the nerve to say today in a press conference that because they were running a four-man front, mm. it eliminated half the game plan. Because they watched a Missouri spring game. Here is my thing. Scott Frost, you are the head coach of Nebraska. You have been under all kind of tutelage in your career. You played the quarterback position, and you're telling me that you don't know how to adapt to something that you weren't expecting. Did you think that Brett Bielema was just going to give you the answers to the test? And the fact that you can't handle a four-man front and still execute your offense against a four-man front, what does that tell you? What do you think other teams are doing now when they hear that? They're like, oh, perfect. I normally run a 3-4, but you know what? Against the Nebraska, I'm going to throw a four-man front out there because God knows half their offense doesn't work against a four-man front. This was the first game of the season. How many weeks did you have to prepare for this game? You and, had. And you have. Okay. Um, I you would... can't adjust at all. It's just it's mind, it's mind-bottling, as they say. Boy, I would sure love to see the part of the offense that actually worked then, but, you know. Um, that comment today by Frost is, A, uh, something you probably, it's probably something that you shouldn't publicly admit as a head coach at a Power 5 program, and part of me wonders if Scott 
is just kind of doesn't want to be here anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, like, I, after watching the game, I think this is, like, the first time I can legitimately say, like, I am just fucking depressed. <laughs> like, Dang. after watching that game and trying to figure out, like, where have we gone so wrong? Mm-hmm. You can't point at one thing. And we're going to point out, I think, in this episode, literally everything that we've been preaching and everything that we've been talking about and listening from the athletic department on the fo- football team, everything that we've heard and talked about for the last five months. Since we started. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> is n- none of it has come true. Not a single thing. The whole thing about Frost, right? Look, you watch these Nebraska teams. I don't think it's talent. It's all between the ears. It's all mental. And you have him coming out there at the end of the game saying, we just need a break. We just haven't gotten these breaks. Once we get these breaks, it's going to start rolling. And when you say that you need breaks, every time something goes a little bit wrong, that's what you're going to fall back to is pity. Dang it. Didn't work. Woe is me. It's all, and I'm, I'm pointing at between, at my head right now. It's all between the ears. It's all mental. One bad thing, it just, it's an avalanche yeah. of terrible. <laughs> as soon as that negated interception happened, I knew it was oh, over. Oh, man. I knew it was over. Right then and there, I was like, yep, we don't recover from that. Because look, even fans I was with, they sadly have the same mentality gosh, the refs are against us. Dang it. If this call wasn't made, you gave up 28 unanswered after that. Enough of the excuses. Like, my God, man. Overcome. Overcome something. Well, and you could argue that teams that get those breaks are the teams that are disciplined. And they make their own breaks. They get their own luck. They train and actually put in the work in the fall, in the spring, to earn those that luck and those breaks. And that's because they're disciplined and they're well-coached. And right now, I think the only person we can blame for 12 and 21 is Scott Frost. And, and okay, I'm, I'm not going to say that Scott Frost isn't the guy. This is one game. There's 11 more games that we have to look forward to, unfortunately, maybe. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> There is a reason that Scott Frost has lost 13 one-score games, the most in the country since 2018. There is a reason that we are not getting these breaks that he's asking and begging and complaining and using his excuses for. It's because they're undisciplined and they're not well-coached. And maybe that is because Scott Frost was inexperienced when he took this job. He had only been a head coach for two years. And maybe he wasn't ready for the fishbowl that is Nebraska. He basically admitted today to the, the, the entire college football landscape that he doesn't adjust in games. That's that's what he said today. But back to Saturday and what Jared said about all m- mental. Yeah, like after it was 16 to 9 and a half and we had that the f- the fumble TD, the, the team just fumbled again. And, then, and honestly, as fans, did any of us expect to come back and win after that fumble? No. Like, I did, and I almost turned the whole thing off after that, but... Yeah. Same old story. So, and 
I'm I am not a professional college football coach. Okay, like none of us New are. Splash. None of us are, right? <laughs> are any of college football co- hey, a professional? Like so so what I'm getting at is why is it so apparent to the people that are not professionals, to the people that are sitting on a black couch right now in the NBNR studio? Mm. And how are we able to look at this and being like, it's all Scott Frost's problem? And I'll show, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example, okay? Clearly, Scott Frost did not coach Cam Taylor Britt to take that punt on the one-yard line. I don't think there's any That's... coach in the country that would tell you that, right? However, if you look back at the Rutgers game last year, there was a, a super messed up uh, kickoff, right, where the ball was getting ready to go out of like, like the three-yard line, but it stopped short. So instead of the returner just picking it up and taking off with it, he runs out of bounds and then touches the ball, gets the flag. Where they go, they start on the 35-yard line. Yep. And after the game, Scott Frost goes, "Man, that's a really well-coached kid." Yeah, you think? It's nobody, like nobody not- knew that rule. That kid just yeah. happened to know that that was a rule, right? And then we've got our best football player, supposedly on the entire football squad, taking a punt from the one-yard line and taking a safety. Well, like, what does that tell you? It tells you that they are very undisciplined. And this is this is football 101. This is elementary stuff that you learn when you're playing Little League football. Feet on the 10-yard line. Don't catch anything inside the 10. And your best player, your team captain, is doing that and costing... Not only that, he put his feet on the goal line, and then when he was getting his tackled into the end zone he threw the ball out of the end zone have you ever in your entire life seen an illegal forward pass mm-hmm. on a punt return I don't think I, for, <laughs> like, a safety. for a safety that, that only happens under scott frost you are making the point kyle you know you're obviously not coaching that you're not in practice mike dawson's not in ctb's ear going pick it up pick it up now right. at the one go a dude trying to make a play and I don't know. I, I wasn't in his head. I'm not in his head. But I think it's a, a desperate dude trying to make a play. And, like, maybe maybe the narrative of special teams is, like, maybe it's too much where they're trying too hard. And then you have Culp, who didn't make miss one extra point last year. Missed two. It's that like maybe all this talk about special teams, how just how important it is, maybe it's made it even worse. Because now they're just overthinking it, and they don't want to F up, and I don't know. Hey, at least we have a guy who can kick it through the end zone finally. Yeah, yeah, but let, let's stick to the offense, okay? Yes. So let's talk about let's, – let's, let's shift the mood a little bit. Let's talk about something good that we saw. Okay. The one good thing that I saw well, – okay, I saw two good things that I, that I actually enjoyed watching at Illinois on Saturday. Oliver Martin is a freaking stud, all right? There's a reason that he was a top 150 kid coming out of high school. There's a reason that he got a scholarship to Michigan, a reason he got a scholarship to Iowa, and now there's a reason he's here at Nebraska. The guy made plays, and I will say, like, if you wanted to pull, if you want to find a silver lining of the offense, which was really tough because the O-line didn't play well, you know, we couldn't run the damn ball. And with that being said, when you're chasing, I understand why you can't run the ball. But your running backs were averaging two yards a carry when you were running the ball. So you're not getting any push on an Illinois line. That's a problem. But like I said, positive. Oliver Martin looked really good. And honestly, Marquis Stepp, we scored when he was in the game, and then we never saw him again the rest of the game. 
What the hell happened there? Is it the foot again? Is it the foot? I don't know. We don't know. We do know he has two feet, though. <sighs> he, had three, he had three touches, right? One of them was for a touchdown. The other was that Big pass catch. along the sideline. Yeah. Right? Look, I look at the offense, and I'm like, the Sevion, Xavier Betts, Austin Allen erasure. Where are they? Yeah. Austin Allen, I think, had one catch. I don't know. Two. I didn't look at the stats. He had two catches. Cool. Uh, Sevion, there's a lot of talk coming in that he's been making waves. Ramir Johnson got four more carries than him. Okay. Xavier Betts. Uh, okay. I mean, no no hate on Levi Falk, but Xavier Betts should be playing over Levi Falk, right? A hundred percent. Right? Am I wrong? A hundred percent. Am I nutty? No, and he should be playing over Wyatt Lever, who I don't know what Frost's obsession is with him, but I he, he hasn't made a play in three years. He shows up to practice every day. <laughs> so so is it a, a disciplined thing with bets? I don't know, but uh, all this talk about weapons. Your biggest play of the game was a Taylor Martinez-esque throw that looked freaking like, like Duck Hunt. Yeah, the old shot put. That was your biggest play of the game. Um, again, it's it's Adrian, like wanting to run all the time. There was he still had a lot of carries. There weren't as many designed runs, but you know a lot of runs. Seventeen of them. Seventeen. It's just amazing to me. Like, what happened to Adrian? Like, I think all of us in this room can admit his freshman year was very good. Right? Oh, reason to be hopeful, yeah. Right. But what happened? But what you saying that we still had a losing record. We still didn't make a bowl game with Adrian. Adrian Martinez has never been a winning quarterback. He has been a wild card and a roller yeah. coaster ride that we've been on for the last four years. Yeah. And what he did his freshman year is something he's still doing his senior year or junior year, whatever, his COVID junior year. So it has to fall back on who? Your head coach. Yeah. It could you could try to blame Verdusco, and we tried that before, uh, you know, in season one before they did, they hired uh, Bill Bush as an analyst, and and then they said that Dawson's going to be the the special teams guy. Still, the only Big Ten school that doesn't have a special teams coordinator, right? It sure showed again on Saturday. Sure did. And another thing about the offense, man, there is no method to the madness at all. Like, there's no rhythm. There's no there's just it looks like air raid but with a hesitant quarterback with a noodle arm and receivers that i don't know i guess can't find separation on a consistent basis yeah it just looks like a crap shoot out there doesn't it i mean yeah yeah adrian you... kind of runs around a little bit uh should i throw it should i run i'll, I'll run yeah or, or i'll overthrow this guy open crossing pattern by hickman overthrow by four feet could have been a touchdown. It's just... Yeah, yeah. So, and we're right back to square one when it comes to... If we don't gain positive yards on first down, you might as well just punt it on second down mm-hmm. because you're not getting the first. Yeah. If you get a holding call and you're in your first and 20, you might as well just punt it right then and there because we're not getting that first down. <laughs> and that just drives me fucking nuts because it's like, I'm sitting here, I'm hoping, right? I want you to win so bad. <laughs> And I know that as soon as something bad happens, it's over. So you might as well just fucking punt it and just try to get your defense back on the field. But the punting was also a problem. 
16 yards. Brother, Dude. I could punt the ball 30 yards right now. Yikes, yeah. fam. Right I mean, now. And you're telling me, and I am all for this rugby-style crap, but when Scott Frost is saying in your press conference, well, he punted it really well in practice, here we go back to the practice shit. You know, we did it right in practice. They never did that all fall. They never did it all spring. Well, guess what, Scott? Practice doesn't matter. Wins and losses matter. I mean, practices, obviously, they're not going to matter if you let guys get away with things. Like, I don't, of course, not there. But I also watch every Saturday. And I feel like guys are able to just kind of get away with things and make mistakes in practice and not do things over again. Not, I doubt Frost is sitting there going, run that shit again. <laughs> run it again. Until we get this shit right, go. See, over and over and over. Hammer it. Go. Look, it's pretty clear he's coaching for, for, for his job. At some point, he needs to be like, to type up and, t- and take some sort of action. Because the, uh, there's something that, according to the staff, since practices are closed, that doesn't seem to be translating. So, Yeah, and I was also going to mention something about, you know, practices are closed. They're on lockdown. It's like it's like Alcatraz. But <laughs> the secrecy. Then again, but then again, you know, Mike Riley had open practices out the wazoo. Not like that really translated to, like, a whole lot of wins either. So, I don't know. That's just that's just my perception of things watching every Saturday. That's all. Well, and is there anything else you guys saw from the offense before we shift the defense on? Did you guys see anything else that you thought was yeah. positive, we'll say? <clears throat> yeah, so the wide receiver room looked pretty good. Okay, they were they were getting past defenders. They were some of sometimes getting open. Um, and really looking at Adrian Martinez, I know you guys are giving him a hard time. I can't help but notice him running for his life every single play. And back to the, the coaching questions that we have about Scott Frost at this point, Brett Bielema lost his starting quarterback to a crazy ass tackle by Garrett Nelson, right? So what does he do with, Sitkowski, the guy from Rutgers, Artur. All of a sudden, you see him start throwing bullet passes. It's like a, it's like a one-two drop back, and it's pass it. Very and it's efficient. Quick, 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 quick. Every single play. Anytime they had the pass, they were getting the ball out of his hands, so so mm-hmm. not to bring in the pressure, right? But what does Scott Frost and Co. do? Adrian Martinez is running forty yards a play, and you guys still have him out trying to throw downfield. Your wide receivers aren't anywhere in the vicinity. If you have to catch up, I know you have to gain the yardage, but if he's running for his life every fucking play, there's no way that you're going to be able to just keep tossing it 20 yards downfield. It's just not going to work. And Brett knew that. Apparently, Scott Frost didn't. Well, and Jared, you know, back to what Jared says all the time, keep what? it simple, stupid, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I, we had said this in the past, uh, you know, simplify the playbook. Make it easy for someone who isn't a quick decision maker, like we don't think Adrian is. You know, if you look at this offense when it was ran to perfection by a Marcus Mariota or a Mackenzie Milton, those guys are quick decision makers. Uh, I think Verduzco calls them quick blinkers or whatever you want to call them. Right. They make decisions quickly, 
and the ball comes out of their hands. And if you look at that play where Adrian Martinez got stripped and they picked it up for a touchdown, <laughs> you had Oliver Martin. If you would, if it was a two-step drop and you would have just thrown it Oliver Martin on a quick slant, like he was, he was wide open. Go look at the film, listeners. Oliver Martin, and they're going to look at this tape too. And I, I am hoping that when, as a staff, if you look at this tape and you and you sit down with Adrian Martinez and you're like, "What did you do wrong here?" I hope he's like, "Yeah, I held the ball too long." You got a lot. Of you things. can't. You can't blame your tackles and your guards and stuff for not holding up that long when you aren't getting the ball to your hands for the the way the play is designed. Because the receivers were open. He had a lot of receivers open. So that's just that's my take on that is yeah, I, I totally agree with Kyle here. It is he needs to get the ball out of his hands. And the only way to do that is to simplify the offense. Because obviously a four year starter in Adrian Martinez still cannot run the offense to its full potential. Right, we're saying simplify the offense for a four-year starter. It's he he's hitched his wagon yep. to Adrian. Um, you know, you, you look back. I question their talent evaluation. Yeah, would Joe Burrow have been as good as he was at LSU? Probably not. Hell no. But you're telling me that you didn't see anything. From Joe Burrow, you didn't see, like, an inkling of that talent. You didn't see it. He was a five-star kid, you know, like, okay. and and a Husker legacy. So yeah, Joe Burrow. Okay, but but that's so. The what's the what's the? He's hitched his wagon, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Scott is his job is going to be lost because of it. Yes, it I, just is. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking ahead. I see Frost demeanor right now. If he still has a job. Late November, I'll be very surprised. I just will. So let's let's shift to the defense. Played great in the first quarter. First quarter was great. Yeah, and then coaching adjustments. It was, I mean, it was so it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. tackles for a loss, up up the ass. Yeah. yeah, three sacks in the first quarter. The weird part is though is I I just remembered that there's actually four quarters in football. <laughs> yeah. So the guys, Indeed. like yeah, they played a. Great first quarter, and if you chalk that up, uh, yeah, we won the first Ooh. quarter. Unfortunately, guys, you had three more to play. And no. I can give the defense a little shit, but in reality, they played well enough to win the game. Once again, 100%. We, have, we have seen this story before. Yep. The defense held their end of the bargain. The offense gave up you know, almost as many points as the defense did, Yeah, which is just insane. So it's, it's one of those things. Came a field position game. Defense got pinned back. They made a play. Caleb Tanner, you know, lit lit up the quarterback. And to go back to your comment, Jared, about okay, I'm I'm not one to say the refs screw us over and uh -huh. all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> if we didn't take out the starting quarterback at the beginning of the game, I don't think they make that call at the end of the game where well, middle of the game, when we drove the quarterback into the ground and got a roughing the passer call. It was a bang-bang bang play. And taunting. Okay, too. but I understand the taunting thing. Stupid. It's Yeah, and that's that goes back to coaching, undisciplined. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying the turnover was still existed, yep. taunting or not. The the play, and, and, and I, I've spent a lot of time watching SEC football and trying to compare the two because we see a lot of piss-poor Big Ten football being Husker fans. Mm -hmm. But in the SEC, they don't call that. They don't call that roughing the passer call. They let the guys play. And in my opinion, that's a football play. But at the end of the day, it goes back to discipline. It goes back to coaching. 
and it go it falls back on Scott Frost. Yeah, there's a chance I was talking about this with Kyle off the air. Like, if that uh, pick or pick, if the pick happens and the penalty doesn't, you're getting the ball to the 40. There's a good chance uh, that you go down and score and just cruise to a win. Yeah, because you would have been up two scores. Yeah, yeah 100%. You are 1,000% right. But that doesn't happen. And yeah. a well-coached team doesn't let that 30-yard penalty just ruin the rest of your game. Like, that's It shouldn't lead to 28 unanswered. Yeah, it should yeah. not. Uh, yeah, and let's let's take let's leave the refs out of it, please. Uh, the yeah. thing about the refs, I gotta agree with Jared about the conspiracy, only b- because if you look around college football, sure, oh, the SEC will will let them play, except in every other league, it's just everything is called anymore. It's college, it's the NFL, like guys can't tackle people anymore. It's insane. Yeah, it's true. I you mean, might as well just play two hand touch at this point. It. It's, it's mean, hard, man. It's, it's a hard. football play. It's a game that's played 100 miles an hour, and you're asking these guys to, to hit the brakes when you're going 100 miles an hour and expect you not to keep rolling. You know, like, it, it's not – the game is not meant to be played the way that it is being refereed, but you have to adapt. I don't, I don't know a good way of doing it. I mean, when professionals are getting the same calls as these kids in college, I mean, what do you do? You know, like, if you're the best at your craft and you're a professional – and you're still getting called to roughing the passer for doing the same stuff, maybe it's a flaw in the system. I don't know. Yeah. And to kind of touch back on the uh, the first quarter and how well the defensive front seven looked, right? Mm-hmm. It was very, very clear that Illinois just had a plan just to come in and just run it up the middle all day long, just wear us down. And then all of a sudden they got in and they realized, oh, shit, we've got three sacks. We've lost our starting quarterback. And uh, running it up the middle doesn't work anymore. And when we try to drop back to pass, we're just getting swarmed. So what does he do? He, d- he didn't even need halftime to make the adjustments. He started running to the outside, left, right, stretching us out. The outside linebackers were getting all turned around. They're running left, they're running right, and they're throwing bullet passes to crossing routes, and they're burning us for 20 yards at a time. Didn't even take it to halftime. And Adrian Martinez ran around the field all day long because he was running from the pressure all day. So I just, I I always come back to this. And if any of you have listened to previous episodes and anybody that knows me knows that I was the number one advocate for Scott Frost. As a matter of fact, the day he was hired at my work, I printed off pictures of this dude and wrote happy uh, Scott Frost day. And I put them on all my friends' computers and shit like that in the office. (laughs) Dude, I was so pumped. And even to the preseason or the offseason, I was all about it. And now I'm looking at this and I'm like, nothing, absolutely nothing has gotten better except for maybe the defensive front seven. You aren't alone, Kyle. There wasn't a fan or or even a national guy alike who didn't think this wouldn't work and it wasn't good. But if anything, it might be worse right now than it was. Yeah, yeah. well, it is. It I mean, is. It is worse than Mike Riley. To, yeah. He has to win a lot of games and just to match uh, Mike Riley's success. Yeah, like yeah. In quotes. The guys that weren't lifting and they weren't doing this, this, and this and had bad culture, but he was still winning games. So Beat a top 10 Michigan State team all, all had. But let's, right? let's take this. It's, it was week zero. We have 11 more games, guys. Okay? Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Fortunately, I didn't, I didn't finish it. You I didn't, didn't finish. finish 
it's still football season. It's still our favorite time of the year. We're going to go play Donald Trump University in Fordham this week. <laughs> and I think that we just, you have to pick up momentum these next two weeks against Fordham and Buffalo. And I, and honestly, at this point, the way we sit, I don't think anybody in this room can say that these are 100% wins the way that we watch this team play on Saturday. Yeah. Maybe the next two weeks, a whole different team shows up, but you're also playing less talent. So, but what I hope is that this team looks themselves in the mirror. This coaching staff looks themselves in the mirror and they decide, okay, these next two weeks, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to, you know, everybody's going to see the field and we're going to get some sort of identity on offense, which, you know, we've been saying that we've been <laughs> preaching it, but we this have. team, this team needs to have an identity. You need to get you need to build momentum to go into Oklahoma and not get your ass kicked by a hundred. What do you do against? Oh man, we shouldn't talk about Fordham. Let's not talk about Fordham. Let's not get into it. Um, it's a W. I'm gonna say that right now. It's a hundred percent win. Buffalo, on the other hand, who knows? Buffalo's tough. That, I don't know. Now it is. They've won 17 games the past two years, and I know their coach is gone, but it's still a winning program, and they know how to win games, just like Troy did. Yep. God, you got to bring it back to that. So, yeah. So, okay. okay so, let, let's talk a, a couple positives about the defense. I thought Garrett Nelson looked good. He did what he was supposed to do. He was stuffing people at the line. He was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Like, Jeez. he looked good. <laughs> he looks huge. He uh, looks huge out there. So, that's kind of nice. It's amazing what happens when you get pressure on the quarterback, but then their transfer who couldn't make it at Rutgers cards you up. Who got beat up by Noah Vedral. Yeah. Just Oof. just for another who couldn't start here. jab that the guy that left Luke. who couldn't beat out our current quarterback, who is part of this twelve and twenty one record, lost his job to that guy and is now the starter at Rutgers. <laughs> and this guy comes in and beats you. His career T D I N T or ratio at oh. Rutgers to just throw salt in the wound was eight TDs and twenty interceptions. Yep. Listen, watching Illinois and their approach coming out of halftime, though, in that third quarter, I'm like, that's exactly what I want Nebraska to do. Run the ball and waste time. Eight the clock up. like That was like an eight-minute drive, wasn't it? Or, yeah. It was well over half the quarter. Yeah. They completely oh. dominated the third quarter. We touched the ball one time in the entire quarter. Listen, it happened against my favorite college football team. But I was watching it and I was licking my chops. Yeah. Because I was like, that's some that's some tasty football right Illinois there. looked like it was in its fourth year under Brett. And it's he's not he hasn't been there for eight months. Right. And look. You look at Shiano, what he's doing at Rutgers. Like, yeah, I know it's still pretty early to like make a huge judgment on that, but they look like a competent football team. Nebraska, after four years of frost. Looks like a bunch of ragtag, undisciplined dudes that look like there's no plan whatsoever. How long did it take Penn State to win the Big Ten Championship after their entire football team left? Three years, I think. After they Three should have four? been just straight annihilated by the NCAA. But boy, yeah. do, do we want to do we want to take a break and uh, talk about our exciting news? Yeah, let, okay. let's let's yeah. church it up a little bit here. Yeah, you know what? We've been we've been spitting all this negative at you, and you know we're preaching to the choir. It it is what it is. Y'all know, but 
because of you guys, we have this exciting news and opportunity that we would like to share on episode two of season two of No Block, No Rock. Uh, although, although this second season got off to a relatively rough start, Nebraska Brewing Company has come through for us after, you know, we've been reaching out to them, seeing what they could do with us. They finally accepted our offer that they want to become one of our sponsors. Yeah. So from, from this move forward, No Block, No Rock is sponsored by Nebraska Brewing Company and Javi's Tacos. Um, if you haven't been to either of them, we've told you in all of season one, Javi's is located on 180th and Q here in Omaha, Nebraska and Nebraska Brewing Company. They are worldwide. They sell their beer everywhere. Today we are drinking a pumpkin ale. It's that, it's that time of year, I guess. It's, it's the, uh, the wick for brains pumpkin ale. And I'm going to tell you, look guys, mm-hmm. I'm not a craft beer drinker. Okay. I can't. I'm just not down hey, with it. Don't say that too loud. Our okay. new sponsor. <laughs> I know, but I'm getting there. This here, this Wick for Brains pumpkin ale stuff's pretty good, man. And you know, it's got me feeling all right here. You know, and we, you know, we're talking all this <laughs> this negative after this shitty ass game on Saturday. And you know what the positive thing was of this episode is I sat here and drank this beer by Nebraska Brewing Company. We're, we're using we're using the Wick for Brains as fuel. That yeah. is our brains. The Wick for Brains <laughs> is our brains for this episode. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, guys. So guys, go visit NBC's Tap Room off 108th and Harrison in La Vista, Nebraska. They're gonna hook you up. Hopefully, we'll be recording some episodes there in the future. Yeah, I think we'll have some uh, some pretty cool episodes there. Uh, maybe bring in some of our former guests in there uh, to give you guys a really cool experience. And uh, just to try some new beers, you know. And, and if you have interest in craft beer, you definitely need to drink some Nebraska Brewing Company beer. And as they like to say, Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. My fellow no blockers, let's kind of talk about what the atmosphere might be like this weekend. With Fordham coming to town, look, ugly loss, same old stuff. Sellout streak has been a huge narrative point this whole offseason does it end i think it does i think you're gonna probably see maybe seventy thousand out of 90 and i think that might be even generous the weather is supposed to be okay not oppressively hot like it was in champagne oh my god you have no idea <laughs> thank god that I... was the hottest <laughs> football game i've ever attended in my life and then not to mention the product on the field that I was watching made it just so much hotter. I've never been part of a game with so many commercial breaks. Like, I don't know how it was from your guys' side of things, but being in the stadium, and I go to every game, I have never seen so many commercial breaks and full media timeouts. In a, like, it was insane. And it's probably because it was big, big noon kickoff, week zero, and there was nothing else on. But holy shit. I needed the commercial breaks. <laughs> I did not. I was dying. I, I'm not a big guy. Like, I'm not like a sweaty guy. And I Jesus. was drenched from head to toe. A little puddle boy. Yeah, a little puddle boy. <laughs> My, this is probably a leading question, right? But what's the atmosphere like? I already kind of said what I think, but I mean, maybe am I overreacting? What's I, I think you're overreacting a little bit. Okay. And the only reason I say that is, is this is the first game in Memorial Stadium since 2019. Right, good point. Yes, Nebraska laid a fat egg Ooh. on Saturday. But right. 
like I said, this game is the first game in Memorial Stadium since 2019. I think the crowd will show up. We do our job every week. Even though our team doesn't, our fans do our job every week. We put on our red and we cheer, we cheer on our team every week. I think Saturday will be electric. I think they'll try to do something special for uh, you know the loss of the 2020 season, stuff like that. I I do agree. I don't. I think we'll be lucky to hit 80,000. I don't know how many seats are left at the university, you know, because they're still selling them for 75 bucks a pop. I looked this morning. You can get them on StubHub. You can get them on Vivid Seats for like 10 bucks. And Stupid. the university needs to sell these tickets. Stupid. And they're still asking $75. If you still want, if this sellout streak actually means something to you, if you're Trev Alberts, if you're Scott Frost, like you need to like make some sort of media announcement that says, hey, and this is a perfect time, like the spring game, the families that can't afford to go to Husker games right. don't get those opportunities a lot. Hey, for this week and this week only, we are selling tickets for $5 or $10 because we want to keep this streak alive. We understand this is a rescheduled game that was not supposed to happen, and we need to sell this, these tickets, and we need you fans. And I think that would show the real fans, the people that are still ride or die, Maybe not with Scott Frost, but just ride or die. They want to see football. They care about this this university, and they actually care about this sellout streak, if you want to call it legit or not. It's not, but... But uh, it's still you know. something special. It's, <laughs> it's been going on since 1962. It's a cute thing we hold on to. Yeah. It's, it's a very cute thing. But <laughs> I, I think that's the only way this thing stays alive. I think some of the boosters and stuff might try to buy up some of those tickets, but I heard there's still thousands left. And I looked today, and they were still seventy-five bucks a pop. Well, look, if you're gonna announce a nice little deal, you got five days left. Now it's gonna be four. Yeah. When we release this, so I don't know. Get up on the horse, guys. Like, let's go. Yeah. If and if you guys like are listening and you're not going to the game, go buy tickets and go to the game. Let's let's uh, let's support this team regardless of how they played on Saturday. Mike, I I really do. I love your your positivity. I'm just <laughs> we try, man. Listen, I'm I'm going to be sitting in, I I'll probably go to the game, but because I'm being dragged there, I'll be there begrudgingly. I'm a Nebraska fan. Love them. Always have, always will, but I'm going to this game begrudgingly. Do you know what that means? Yeah. I won't be happy about it. You I think I'm if, not going to be like, "Woohoo!" Give give Jared a runza. And a couple TDs, <laughs> and he'll be feeling pretty good because it's going to be the only game that Scott Frost wins this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, dude. Don't even say that. I pray. I'm Look, I'm telling you, 27 years, I have watched these dudes every fall. I've listened to every freaking press conference. I've read every article. Mm -hmm. I was legitimately heartbroken after Saturday. I have never felt so shitty after watching a football game, after... One, my involvement in No Block, No Rock, and uh, how, how tentatively we have paid attention to the news and watched everything, to seeing that result on the field was just soul-crushing. Soul well, so I'm going to the game still, okay. and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be cheering, and I'm going to be yelling, and I'm going to have myself a piece of Valentino's pizza. Yes, sir. And, uh, and I'm going to enjoy it as so long that <laughs> we don't lose. You know, you know why you're sad, Kyle? It's well, not even because Nebraska lost. It's because all that Kool-Aid you made, you left it out on the kitchen table, and it got really spoiled, and it just 
it's sour now. Look, I tried. <laughs> I tried to stay away, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, and I honestly, though, we didn't really sip a lot of Kool-Aid here. You're I mean, right. We You're thought, right. realistically, this team in year four, mm-hmm. under a head coach, should be the coach in year one. And boy, were we freaking wrong. At this point, if the sellout streak ends, it ends. I actually, in a weird, twisted kind of way, I think it'd be good for the program to, uh, to just, like, move off of that sort of like we got to hang on to the past sort of thing but the question i have for you guys does uh, the ending of the sellout streak presuming it happens at some point of the season is that a uh is that a that sentence for scott i think it is but i disagree i think if scott makes a bowl game he's still the guy for the job now that road got a lot harder but I don't think the sell- the sellout streak really has anything to do with his job security. It's just a cherry on top of what he has done in this 12 and 21 streak. Well, yeah, and it's kind of sad because the sellout streak has been a sham for like over a decade now. And, you know, if it does end with the Fordham coming up, then that'll always be a mark against him. And it's like there's so many other marks that you could make other than the sellout streak. Yeah. A fake sellout streak that hasn't been a thing for over a decade anyway. Yeah. But... You win Fordham, win uh, Buffalo, get to six, and you'll you'll still have the job even if the sellout streak ends. I'm gonna tell you right now, Trev Alberts isn't gonna put up with this shit. If if, if we start losing games the same way we lost Saturday, there's no way after the investigation comes out, after all of the bullshit that this program has been through since Scott Frost has been at the helm, if you continue after 12 games to go out there and play like that, there's no way in hell it continues. Now, do you believe it's going to change? No. After there's no the, this much time. I have preached on this podcast for the last five months that, you know what? Yeah, we're looking good. Like, everything, everything is looking upward, right? I'm, I'm looking at the facts. I'm looking at everything that has been told to us. And for us to sit here and be like, yeah, you know what? Things are going to change over the season. I think is just an incredible lie that we're telling ourselves because we really want it to happen. But after four years and after an off season of everyone literally telling us straight to our face, wow, we've got so much depth. Wow, we've got so much talent. Wow, we look so good. Not just that, but everybody emphasized this game. Everybody emphasized Illinois. Yeah. Coaches, players, media, everybody. Players never never uh, talked it down. They never said, oh, it's just another game. No, they said... This is very important to our season. We've been preparing Coaches, this. And this is how you come out. Yeah. 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 Like I said, I just, for for me to sit here and honestly try to tell myself that it's going to get better this season, I think is a straight up lie. Yeah. Like, I don't, okay. I, I just don't see it. I hope, you know, with these, we have 11 games left, guys. I hope we can have some positive episodes. I hope after Fordham, maybe, maybe there'll be like a little teacup full of kool-aid that we can jolt into ourselves just but a little shot just like a shot yeah, just, just like shot. hey we saw a lot of good things but you know we will find out next week right mike with your positivity right there i think it's a perfect time to sign off this is one of your hosts jared hall mike delaware kyle byers and eric morrow and as always beat boredom yeah.